Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome back to the Create Me podcast. And yes, here is another episode, actually episode two, in the series of special conversations in partnership with Northlands Creative. Today, my guest is Tirongo Kirkwood. She is an artist based out in New Zealand. So this was a really kind of interesting chat for me. The first time I had to actually kind of stayed up a bit late, um, probably around the back of nine or around 10 o'clock. I think I remember on a Friday night, I recorded this conversation whilst Tirongo was it was a Saturday morning for her around half 10 a.m. But it was really cool. I you know before we get that really dodgy kind of Wi-Fi connection, but it turned out all good. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And yeah, I'll be back at the end as usual. All right, see you soon. So welcome back to the Kate Me podcast. And yeah, something um, like I kind of mentioned in the intro, a special kind of conversation, picking back up on the Glass Lives um, series uh, with in partnership with Northlands Creative. And today my guest all the way from New Zealand is Tia Rongo. Um, hopefully I got that right this time. I'm practicing in my head so many times. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no, thank you for taking your time out um, to come on the podcast. You know, it looks quite really nice and bright back there. And I guess we're kind of in a time difference. I'll let the listeners know. It's like um, coming up to nine o'clock at night for me in Scotland. And it's probably like coming up to around, up to around 10. Yeah, must be about 10 yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it looks like a really nice day outside. What's, what's the weather been like for you guys out there in New Zealand? Oh, it's been unbearably hot. Okay. <laughs> Especially in a workshop where we don't oh, yeah, have adequate imagine. air conditioning. Yeah. Okay, yes. and working with glass as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Tia, um, Tiongo, I wanted to kind of actually before we kind of like get fully into our kind of conversation, I wanted to kind of like kind of find out for you what has kind of been like um, your creative journey and where did your interest in kind of working working with glass come from? Um, my initial interest was um, sparked when I was first left New Zealand when I was um, about 19 and I went to live in England and my which a lot of New Zealanders do, and I ended up um, living in London. And um, a friend of the people that I was um, living with was a glass artist um, called Danny Lane. And um, they would um, talk about art and they'd, you know, go out together, and, and that's how I met him. And he, he started he'd talk about his practice and everything. And I went to have a look at it and I, I'd never seen, I'd never been exposed to glass as a medium before. Um, I had a natural talent in um, painting, which had was just an innate thing that was always there, but um, I'd never considered glass as a medium before. And so I went to his workshop and I was, mesmerized the the man not just by the work but the the meaning of it and um the scale of it and you know at that age it's quite a young impressionable age I felt that I got a real sense of this man is has an integrated perspective of the world he's um He's got a lot of, um, he's able to articulate those, that wisdom through these beautiful 
uh, large scale works and and smaller scale, and so that 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 really made a lasting impression on me. And um, but I didn't get the opportunity to work with it. Obviously, at that age, I had to get a job very quickly in order to be able to support myself. So I actually ended up in HR for um, about seven or eight years in England. Okay. And um, it wasn't until I returned to New Zealand 11 years later that um, I saw a weekend workshop in Glass Fusing and made that connection. And as soon as I saw the medium, I said, oh, there's something about this material it, I can do something with this. I don't know what, but you know, I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. whereabouts in whereabouts in London? Where 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 you based? Um, I for a year I was based in Maidervale, and okay. then yeah. from there, yeah, um, I went to the Midlands and lived in Leicestershire um, uh, for quite some time, and oh, moved around a bit in in the Midlands, really. Yeah. Yeah. Ask because you have to have a good kind of decent experience or different parts. Obviously, a bustling, busy kind of you know city like in London, and then obviously going to the Midlands as well, kind of like a really kind of stark kind of difference in kind of culture and vibe. I can imagine. Oh, it's fan- fantastic. Um, the cultural mix was um, was just so beautiful to to learn from for me. For me, coming from New Zealand at that time, we didn't. We, we didn't have that level of um, mix, you know, really, mm. yeah. yeah. It was mostly, um, I say, I want to say Pākehā, but it's, I mean white. Uh, I don't mean that mm. disrespectful. I'm trying to think of my food. Pākehā and Māori and island people mm. were the, you know, when I was growing up was most yeah. um, prevalent. Uh, cultural okay. mix in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, obviously, like, you know, when you came back after that kind of years of being in England, you know, um, did you kind of notice kind of big differences when you kind of like came back home um, in terms of actually what's happening with New Zealand culturally as well? Was it, did it take you time to kind of adjust to get back into like, you know, um, back into the swing of things or actually kind of actually, yeah, I've been living in England? like for so long and then kind of just readjusting how did that how did you kind of find that kind of process of readjusting after 11 you were 11 years being away I found it really difficult um, because and I, this is my theory for, for my own personal journey I think because I left New Zealand quite young and then I spent you know the next 11 years maturing into an adult I absorbed a lot of the way of being of what it is to live in England. And so um, when I came back to New Zealand, I I found it really loose and thinking and the lack of structure perhaps in some areas of living. And I struggled with that and wanted, I was quite homesick. I wanted to just go back to England. In fact, I still do now. I still would love to go back. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't, I dislike New Zealand. It's just that um, they're just different. Yeah. And um, there are things that I love about New Zealand, but there are also things that I love about being in 
in England and there's that there's a sense of a different kind of history there that is r- really interesting to me. Yeah. And would you kind of in the intention to go back to this visit as like a, the kind of like holiday thing or actually go to like exhibit some work as well? I think I I would love to go back and, and live there and work for and see just see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Especially now at this stage of my practice, I think maybe in the next few years. That sounds good. And so like for you in terms of like your practice, what you know, you mentioned obviously some of the influences like in like when you was living in like England and um but you now that you're like in like New Zealand, you've been practicing for a while and obviously working with glass, what has been some of the kind of main influences in, in terms of like your work? I th- I'm influenced naturally by the Māori worldview because that's what the dis- what my father's um, culture is. My mother's mm. is English, mm. um, so I have. Um, and perhaps, it, again, perhaps it is because I've been lived overseas for many years and then come back. I have this um, in-between. I feel like I'm an in-between culture person. You know, like I don't really fit 100% in, yeah. the, tr- in the traditional Māori worldview, and yet I, I totally see it and, yeah. under- and feel it, and it's part of me. But then I also have the other side and but I don't really I'm still a little bit too brown for there a little too white for there (laughs) and that's not that's probably really bad uh, a way to describe it and I don't uh, again I should say I'm not trying to be offensive it's just my way of trying to make sense of who I am Mm -hmm. and um it's a it's a it's actually um quite a cool place to be in a way because you realise that you're not, you don't fit anywhere. And then once you get comfortable with that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think. I, you know, I think like what you said is definitely like, you know, um, kind of like spot on. I think like for me growing up, being born in London, there's that bit of actually British identity and culture also very much in the household of a Caribbean African kind of culture and then out with that when you start to go to school and stuff there's that kind of oh you don't really actually where do I actually fit and then you go to college and then you go to like the world of employment and you kind of thinking like okay like I was born here this is like you know it says it on my passport I'm this but then you know I've been to I was lucky enough um, from a young age I think it's probably intentional for my mum's part to take us back to the Caribbean regularly to actually for us to actually have that kind of sense of belonging and with our kind of culture and identity and I think that when you touch that thing I always feel that that in between I'm in the UK still even in Scotland that like I belong but I don't belong so Mm -hmm. like it's good to actually have that thing or actually the importance of like cultural identity and I think like this kind of like correct me if I'm wrong I think obviously fused there's obviously been kind of a process almost like a journey you know with that for yourself and what's that kind of been like for you you know obviously growing up in like you know New Zealand then obviously traveling and seeing a bit of different different parts of like the world of the UK how have you have you kind of had these kind of like more like internal kind of battles and stuff in terms of like your culture and identity yeah I think um identity um is a really interesting thing and I've observed how I've 
evolved and processed that over my life so far. Um, and I think that I'm still working that, continue to work through those things in my work. I, I, I think my, my position is that, at the moment at least, is that I'm influenced from glo by global lines of knowledge and, and I'm trying to <clears throat> interpret that through, through a Māori worldview as well as um, seeing, seeing the similarities and, and the patterns across um, many cultures that I have had the um, privilege to see when I've travelled and in many um, ages of, of humans' evolution and, and development. And, and so um, in a way that sounds a, might sound a bit vague, but I am inspired by all, all, all kinds of knowledge that comes in mm -hmm. from science to philosophy and psychology and... Um, Maori spirituality and mm -hmm. trying to—it's almost like I'm trying to take little pieces of puzzle and put them together, and mm and -hmm. um, in, in my own little um, what's the word Lang language, I guess, in my own yeah. world. <laughs> I guess for you, like you know, just to look at like you know, you know like you're practicing working with glass. What is that kind of like? You kind of specialize in like, like textures and like um, materials as well when you're working with glass. Yeah, I think one of the um, things that um, really captured me with that material, although I work with other materials as well, um, that's my primary material, um, is the way that it transmits light and um, it has its own rules that you have to obey, but you're always trying to bend them and see how far you can push it. And, <clears throat> and that's great because it, it provides a challenge um, and endless, endless opportunities for development. But I also think, I'd also say that glass in itself is like a distraction as a material because it's it's like a it's like a siren it's so seductive and so it's calling you and seducing you with endless um endless techniques and uh, possibilities so you can uh, for, for me my primary um purpose as an artist is to is to swim in the unconscious and bring stuff out and make it conscious and look at it. Um, so that's my primary goal. Glass is one is the medium that I choose to use to make sense of those things in, in my my own way. Whereas ra rather than being <clears throat> driven by the material, um, does that make sense? That the primary yeah think of, yeah is that oh, no, the no, meaning definitely. yeah it makes sense the yeah. meaning is, yeah. comes first the material mm. serves the meaning rather than mm. um getting overly infatuated with the material which i have done at different stages 
yeah and I think like it like kind of like even that, that kind of creative process you can always like having a creative mind you can all easily get caught up in that kind of um mindset of the doubt and the fixation of what can go wrong and you know like actually or you, or you could overthink some kind of things or processes as well but um for yourself how do you kind of keep yourself motivated in terms of actually when you're developing like a new piece of like artwork or you're kind of thinking about a new kind of project I th- I think because I'm so appreciative of having the opportunity to be able to have the occupation of being an artist mm-hmm. And that I so deeply love that opportunity that I don't need to find motivation. I just, um, in the sense that I don't need really push myself to be inspired. I, 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 the, the opportunity to be inspired is, is um, so, such, a, such a privilege in a way, especially at when we have so many pressures, survival pressures, and you know, just day-to-day life, so um, it's not an it's not an external drive that I have to force myself to. I'm just so grateful to do it. I love what I do, so I go to work yeah. naturally, um, looking like, oh God, what am I going to do today? What should we choose? Shall we shall we pull this idea down, or shall we go with that one? Uh, you know, and or with long-term projects, then. You know, I just really just immerse myself. I think the problem for me is that there is so there are so many um, things that are inspiring. I find it um, frustrating that I don't have enough of me and life and time to be able to to, to be able to fulfil those things that I'd love to do. So yeah, you know, kind of more I'm like not, that. Yeah, I'm just nodding my head in agreement because I, I do so many kind of things out with like my main kind of job. And like I think my wife was saying like last year, like, yeah, this needs to kind of just chill a bit as well. So I kind of made a point of actually trying to not do as much in like late November and December, you know, yeah. so I could be more present. And that's kind of like a thing for me. I think actually like, you know, the creative endeavors like are important and it's kind of like a massive kind of drive for me. And I'm sure for like yourself as well. But um are there kind of sometimes you say, oh, look, yeah, I'm going to give myself a bit of a break or you have that kind of, like a lot of creative people and, art, and artists do have that kind of mind that keeps going. I think when I even go down to bed sometimes at night, I'm sort of yeah. thinking about something the next kind of few months or oh, this can do something with a really good idea or projects and stuff. Or do you kind of find, just, like, do you find yourself in that kind of similar position that your mind is very much active and it keeps going and thinking of different things to kind of do? Yeah, all the time. And I used to draw quickly make note of them and you know like when you're driving or anything any anywhere any time I try and oh that's a great idea I could do this or oh, I wonder how I could express that information you know but um I don't now because I what what I found was that was um distressing to me to see so many ideas (laughs) so now I just go with with uh, what is the strongest um, inclination and and follow follow that because um, I, I kind of as I'm getting older I'm trusting that that intuitive nudge will take me in the direction of whatever I'm trying to l- learn about right now or whatever I'm trying to work out right now I just do follow that so 
and and then it, it's interesting when I look back at work, you know, a year or two years, I can see my thinking evolving. Um, and oh yeah, okay, that work makes sense. It didn't make sense at the time, but I just did it anyway. But now I'm looking back, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's you know that's, that's, that's kind of so important, it's so true. You do kind of recognize that when you kind of create something, you know. I guess you, you know you probably don't even like all the time reflect on the significance or the importance of some some kind of projects or pieces of kind of work, and then time allows for that kind of retrospective to be like, oh yeah, totally kind of makes sense. This is why I did this. This is why I kind of wrote this down. This is what you know this idea could be as well, like in, you know for the future. But you know, I've been asking a lot of um, over the past couple of years, a lot of guests on the podcast have been kind of just asking them. Obviously, since we kind of been in the pandemic, like how's the kind of pandemic impacted like just on the, the like day-to-day um, kind of like routines and structures and also like on your practice? Um, it's been definitely been challenging. The lockdowns have been challenging and um, projects have been held up or dropped. Um, and also the cost, being in New Zealand, working in glass in New Zealand is um has an added layer of cost to it because everything that we make has to be shipped from the States, uh, you know, glass materials and stuff like that. So um, with all that's been going on, the costs, which is the same all over the world, but I think maybe because we're so far away, I feel it might be more detrimental, I don't know, to to us um, being able to work in it. I'm not not quite sure. so the cost of the practice and the, has gone up. But at the same time, it's given me the opportunity to um, watch what's been happening and try and work through what I'm seeing, you know, in myself and in the people across the world and the whole fear thing and, you know, what does that really look like? Why, why is what's really going on inside the body and, and, and that kind of thing? And is it valid or is, you know, that that fear thing that seems to get worked up and worked up, it almost feels like um, a distraction, mm-hmm. um, what it has done to me. So once I notice that um, happening around me, I um, just decided to refocus on what was most important to me, which is my work, and just kept yeah. focusing on that. And just shut out all of the worry and the, you know, I, I can't affect those things directly right now. So mm-hmm. what what can I do? I can do what is most inspiring to me, which is my work. And yeah. I and I felt that that was has been for for my brain and my way of working the best way to um, approach approach it. And and you know, and I think you know, it's probably the right way. I think it's just kind of like. Um for like, you know, creatives or artists, like we had this kind of big thing is like the um, the government was saying that at the height of the pandemic was like, you know, you know, this person, these really kind of adverts and I think they ended up binning them and saying, oh, like the dancer could be like someone working in IT. I don't know if you ever saw these kind of things. And there was a massive backlash because, you know, like, you know, regardless of like, you know, people, I think a lot of like in society, people kind of see art as that kind of passion thing still. 
you know, like some people don't see it as a career and I very much see like any kind of creative or artistic outlet and somebody develops beautiful pieces of work no matter what they do that, you know, they do, and, and if they're able to develop out of a career out of that, that's amazing that should be kind of respected as any other kind of like have a job as well. But it's almost like the conversations I have with like my peers is like how frustrating it is within like the creative and artistic industries, how that kind of different kind of practices are never kind of truly like respected or actually kind of valued or put on like the pedestal, you know, yeah. so things like it's always like a constant kind of graft or kind of like to, to just be kind of respect and noticed and seen and stuff. But I think through like the pandemic has been great that I think people, you know, like yourself are just saying, oh yeah, I still, I'm still need to create. I still need to channel that energy, you know, and put that, obviously that nervous or the anxious energy into something kind of positive. Yeah, I think that people might not see it this way, but this is how I see it. What, whatever um, you do, if, you, if you're providing a service to the world and there are people that want and love what you do, then that's a valid occupation no matter what it is, you know. Um, and, I th- and I think... That or all you, if, if there's a market for what you love doing, then even better. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I struggle with the word passion because it feels like a, or, or people say follow your bliss, and to me those words feel really polarised, you know, whereas I, I like to see it more as what what is, what does your occupation um as a creative do for you if you're fulfilled then it's your purpose if it's your life purpose then you will um endure pleasure and pain for it because you'll do whatever it takes to to fulfill your purpose because it's inspiring to you and it's fulfilling you're not chasing it because you want happiness or money you're, you're doing it for the fulfillment, which is is a different drive, and it, and it can be very sustaining. Yeah, no, that's I think that's kind of a beautiful way to kind of actually look at that as well. It is like um, I think there's, there's always kind of been that thing. I think like you know, in your kind of in the kind of creative industries, um, I think you kind of feel that sometimes for me to be like, oh man, like like what am I doing here? And you kind of like so kind of like, but you always kind of just come back to it anyway, regardless of like, you know, yeah. you have a bit of a rant or you have a bit of a tangent, but you always come back to it because like you're saying, it's there because there's, there's a fulfillment for yourself and you know you're providing something to like the wider community. So this is why you kind of stick in you know, with the good and the bad sort of elements of it. You know, you can't always have the good. You know, yeah, it's an intrinsic like, drive, isn't it? Yeah. Nobody yeah, has to yeah. tell you in the morning to get up and do it because you'll just do it. You love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how you know it's your highest value. And when it's your highest yeah. value, why try and deviate from that for to yeah. to subordinate to to authority figures like teachers and mm-hmm. religious um religious um figures who may tell you, Oh, you've got to do this or do that or well, I mean yeah. I understand that that's what we do when we're younger, but mm-hmm. Um, uh, we often subordinate to, to, to other pe- what other people think we should be, do, and become. But it, it's very liberating if you if you can slowly extract yourself out of that 
and go, well, actually, what do I find most fulfilling in my life? And yeah, and just do it <laughs> and see what yeah. happens. Do you know what? This is always what I've kind of saying, like um, ever since I kind of started doing podcasts and I had I do kind of a, few, a couple of other kind of projects in like um, in Aberdeen and. And I've always kind of been of the mindset of actually, yeah, just do it. Like, because the only person stopping yourself is you. Like, regardless of what someone else says or opinions and stuff, like, if you have an idea, just go for it. Because at the end of the day, you can say, do you know what? If it didn't work out, I've done it. I've tried it. Yeah. You know, I think that's so, like, important and have that kind of, it's one thing I kind of tried to have in myself and always encouraging, like, others through the podcast is actually, yeah, just have this unwavering belief in yourself. It's important to actually, be your biggest kind of champion and actually like, you know, there are obviously there are always times of kind of like self-doubt and, and, you know, and you question, I don't know, is there any point to me doing this? Is this right? But I kind of feel like, you know, like, you know, staying that kind of path is so important, you know, in terms of actually kind of like professional, like even just like that kind of like, yeah, professional, personal kind of development. Yeah. Um, it's so, so important. Yeah. I, I agree. I think, um, be making that decision to commit to um, being an artist. It's been the most fulfilling thing and the most challenging and difficult thing I've ever done in my life because, you know, financially it's been a challenge. I think that it's taught me so much of trying to develop – tenacity and resilience and you know these are all important qualities that one has to try and integrate in, in, in yourself in order to to continue on the path that you're wanting to to master even even though you're you're getting the 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 that internal fulfillment it doesn't mean it's going to be easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the maximum growth comes out of that is what i've found yeah no no yeah no absolutely i kind of I, you know you see i think there's that part of when you start something and then you look back on and even you know for me and stuff that i've been doing over the years you look back and be like, oh yeah i can see that natural progression and growth and actually what i've done or the quality of what i'm doing is actually a bit better than what it was when i first started it and stuff like that so yeah, like, you know, 100% like agree. And I think one thing I want to kind of just like kind of touch on, you know, and touch on with you on you with is that um, in terms of actually kind of like future kind of projects, is there some kind of themes or topics that you've not explored yet that you're kind of really keen to like look into in terms of actually creating new work? Yeah, I'm really, um, I'd like to do a lot more work on cosmology and that kind of, Thing, that's still of great interest to me um, and I think I might go down that direction in the next um, couple of years um, I've, I've been doing quite a bit of work on what makes things feel sacred and what is what is that what does it feel like in in an object and and sacred vessels and that kind of thing so um, this year I'm looking at um, that and seeing how I can make sense of that in, in terms of the skin of the object and the inside and the outside of it, what, you know, 
what does that signal in terms of um, um, the way we have as humans used, say, water or fire to cleanse, consecrate, bless, that, those kind of things. So that's what I'm interested in at the moment, uh, this year anyway. <laughs> Right, cool. No, yeah. so then I definitely look forward to kind of looking out for, you know, those kind of future projects, you know, and, you know, just for the listeners, where can they kind of find you online in terms of actually like, you know, where you work and also like social media as well, if, you have, if you're on like Twitter or Instagram? Um, not great on social media. I'm, I am on Instagram just under my name, Te Rungo Kirkwood, and um, my website is terungo.com. Yeah, so they would be the two main places. Brilliant. Um, so I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know obviously you're going to be getting to like, going to go into work in your studio um, at the moment. And yeah, hopefully let's get some of that New Zealand weather. Obviously we're still in our winter at the moment. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're still in our winter. So like, um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it's still quite cold. It's all grey dark in the northeast of Scotland um, at the moment. But yeah, um, Tiarongo, um, thank you so much for coming on, you know, the Creative Me podcast and obviously in partnership with Northlands Creative as well. I really appreciate you taking out the time you know, to speak with myself as well. And yeah, like enjoy the rest of your weekend. You know, I can't believe it's Saturday there. It's going straight to say like Saturday and it's still Friday night um, for yeah. me, but it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. So that was my conversation with Tiongo. I want to thank her for coming on the podcast and sharing her story with us. Definitely much appreciated. And guys, be sure to check out all the links in the episode description where you can follow her work. And also a big thanks and big shout outs to the episode sponsors, Northlands Creative, Creative Scotland and Creative Europe for making these conversations possible. And guys, as always, be sure to support Creative Podcast in any way possible. A retweet, a reshare on social media goes a long way. You can also sponsor us on Ko-Fi or via Big Up The Dean as well. So yes, I'm going to be back with one more episode in the series of special conversations. That's going to be with Jade Ford. Really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you guys. So I'll see you very soon. Take care for now.